Uh, so good to see you guys. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan, and my wife Hannah, I get the opportunity and pleasure of pastoring this church. And we're doing a preaching series at the moment on expecting God. It's been a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's the, the first preaching series we launched out of our focus for the year. Our, our statement for this year as a church is we pray to be empowered by His Spirit to take His love to our world. We pray to be empowered by His Spirit to take His love to our world. That's our statement for the year. It comes out of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so for the whole year, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a prayer-empowered church? What does it mean to be a Spirit-empowered church? What does it mean to be truly filled with His Spirit? And what does it mean to take His love to our world? Why do we want to be a witness? Why did the Holy Spirit come so we could witness about Jesus and the resurrection? And so we are going to journey through that this whole year. And so expecting God is something we wanted to do to... To bring ourselves back in line with a healthy theology, I think, a healthy way of viewing God. We spoke about this the last few weeks. We, we never want to be a church that sits on one side where it's like, well, God's going to do when he wa- what He wants, when He wants, however He wants. It doesn't even matter if I pray. What does it matter what I do? What does it matter how I live my life or how I evangelize? God's just going to do what He wants anyway. He's completely sovereign. We, want to be, we never want to be that extreme, but we never want to be this extreme of God only does what I tell Him to do if I pray with faith. We think both are wrong. But in the middle, there's a healthy balance in God's sovereignty is outworked through our faith and through our prayers. We said two weeks ago that prayer is God's invitation into His sovereign will. Remember, we looked at James chapter 4, verse 2. You have not because you ask not. It's a simple thing of God has this plan. God has desires. God wants to do things. And in His plan, in His will, He brings us in to pray. In Matthew chapter uh, 9, verse... Oh, I'm going to lose the verse. No. Yeah, Matthew chapter 9, verse at the end, 37, 36. He says, oh, man, guys, the disciples, the harvest is white. It's It's ready. Ah, but the workers are few. So you should pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the field. I love that so much. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. So he's the Lord of the harvest, and I'm praying to him for more workers. So he's the Lord of the workers. But for some reason, he wants me to pray. Like, he's already in control of both. Why is he wanting me to pray? Why doesn't he just make the harvest good and send enough workers? But in the middle, he's like, so you should pray. Because our prayers are us intertwined into God's sovereign plan. And we want to have that balance when it comes to expecting God. Today I want to talk about expecting God for salvation. We can expect God for salvation. Amen? We can expect God for salvation. We can expect God to save our friends and our family and our loved ones. We can have that. Not only can we, we should have an expectation that God is a saving God who's still working right now. Amen? This is big. Church, I really need us to catch this. I beg you for the next half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, don't just see this as a Sunday morning sermon. Please allow the Holy Spirit to talk to your heart in the next half an hour and continue to grow and challenge you as a disciple of Jesus. You were a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we need to come back to this one really big point. God wants to save people through us. I'm going to say it again because we need to catch it. God wants to save people 
through us. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. And God, I thank you would help us constantly find that balance in our prayer life, in our, as we read the word, as we have faith, that we would truly rem- get that revelation, be reminded of that revelation, that you are at work. God, you are still moving in the world right now. You're still moving in our families, our community, our workplace. You are at work through us for some crazy reason. Even though you could do it all without us, you do not need us. You want us to be a part of this beautiful plan you have authored. So help us be active in what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got your Bible, why don't you head on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe we have the verses ready to go, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 14. If you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, either way, Christ's love controls us. Amen? One more time. Amen? It's early. I know it's a bit cold. It's raining. You just kind of want to chill out. The aircon's on. People are more prone to be quiet and still in the aircon. But come on now, let's, let's have fun. Uh, Christ's love controls us. <laughs> Since we believe that Christ died for all, Jesus died for the whole world, just in case you, th- you think anything different. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. Verse 15, He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Oh, how differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Woo! Verse 18. All of this is a gift from God. I know they're on two slides, but everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The new is here. The old is gone. All of this is a gift from God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He brought us back to himself through Christ, through what Jesus did on the cross. God brought us back to himself. And then God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead people, pleads people, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin that we could be made right with God through Christ. Thank you, Lord. Expectation. I really, 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 really want us to catch afresh this morning that we can expect our loved ones saved. We can expect our friends and family saved because God wants them saved through us. And here's the thing I want us to get. I don't want us to catch, and I need to be really, this is really important, so please, if you forget everything, catch this. 
we're not just talking about having a theologically correct understanding of God's mission in salvation. We have to catch his heart here. I said this the other week. We need a deeper burden and conviction of what eternity away from God means. We need it, church. We need it. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I wish... I, I wish I could stand up here and say I have, I have full conviction, I've studied, and I feel fine with universalism. I, I honestly wish I could say that. I wish I could say, hey, guys, everyone's going to heaven no matter what they do and believe because God's just such a big God and His love. Uh, some people can say that. I wish I could, but I just can't. There's a real thing called hell. There's real scriptures that speak about eternity of, of suffering and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and you might be here and believe in universal. That's cool. But I just can't get there. I just don't have that conviction yet and, and even even the step closer I wish then if I can't believe in universalism I wish I could believe in annihilationism some people believe that and some theologians I respect <laughs> have you any idea what annihilationism is you won't be laughing in a minute some people believe that those who don't get saved they just they're gone and we need to get, okay, cool. If you're here and you want to believe that, so be it. But I just can't get there yet. I'm trying to, I'm studying because that's easier to me. That's easier to me if, if, I, if my pe friends and family, neighbors, work colleagues, people I go to the cafe all the time, like if, if they don't receive Jesus, well, at least they're just gone. Like that's easier to me, church. But right now, as I stand before you right now, my conviction is it's an eternity of suffering away from God. That freaking hurts like that scares the craziness out of me like it's an eternity of suffering church i don't know if we get that because everything we think about that god's good and he's just going to reward us and it's all going to be good like no there's punishment and and i don't see it enough i don't hear it in our prayers enough the reason i haven't preached on hell yet is i don't think you want to hear me get that serious most people are like oh just make more jokes okay fine like i'll do that but i don't think you get hell I better change the subject or else I'm going to get ticked. Because you would be fasting and praying for your friends and family if you got hell. You would be telling them the gospel if you got hell. We don't get hell. I don't get hell enough. But we need to get hell so that we can get that. Because there is no burden and earnestness in you to see your friends and family saved if you literally think it's like, oh, just... Uh, they go from not going to church to coming to church. They go from not reading their Bible to reading their Bible. Like, that's not it. We are not trying to make people morally better. We are not trying to make them look like Christians. Jesus is clear. People who look like Christians will be turned away on the last day. Many will come to me saying, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I healed the sick in your name. I prophesied in your name. And I will say, be gone. Get away from me for eternity in hell because I never knew you not i knew you when you walked away from me you never you never knew me you knew christianity but you didn't know me this should be just in like oh man i need to change the topic i'm getting hell freaks me out and it's long and it's it's not nice and it's real and satan's real and demons are real and jesus spoke on it more than any other person in the bible because it's real if you want to believe in heaven, you've got to believe in hell. Okay, so 
if if we're all going to heaven no matter what we do, what are we doing here? Then I'm just going to go home and play Xbox. I've never played it in my life. I literally I don't think I've played Xbox in my life. But I'm going to start playing Xbox because hell's not real, right? Like, what, what am I going to be here? Why would I give? Why would I love? Why would I serve? Why would I do anything? I'm going there. I'm getting a reward. Might as well just do what I want when I want. But heaven's real. And Jesus was really clear in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through me. And so we need to look at that passage with both a, a reverence and an excitement. There should be a wholesome, holy fear when we think about salvation, but there should also be what I want to more emphasize on today is there should be a wholesome, holy excitement about our part to play in this thing God has authored. I need to bring this up. I got too deep. <laughs> expecting God. Expecting God. Okay, trying to think of a story on the spot. Okay, expecting God. There we go. Here's a story. Um, so I remember when I was like nine, McDonald's were doing those little like freebie things. Remember you used to peel them off the chip packets and the Cokes and things like that? You used to get like little tickets, Monopoly. And they were like these free things every now and then. You could win like free food. I remember winning two muffins. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. And I was like, dad, dad, you got to take me back. I'm getting two free muffins. So good. Took me back, went through drive-thru, gave me in. Yep, sweet, two muffins in the bag. This is the best thing ever. Halfway home, I'm like, can't wait to home. Get them out, go to eat them. Nothing. Obviously, you guys are going to know what this was, but I'm like, just the freaking buns. Like, what the heck? There's no bacon. There's no egg. There's no sauce. There's dodgy flipping Macca's workers. He's probably sitting there eating my bacon and egg. He's like, sucker, you got it for free anyway. You should be happy. And I'm like, oh, dad. And dad's like, you're kidding me. Rips the car around, drives back, walks in. He's like, where's the manager? And I'm sitting behind him nine. I'm like, yeah. It's like, here's my muffins. Like, I got two free muffins and there's nothing on it. And he goes, um, sir. You got free English muffins. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> well, English muffins are just the, the, the end. They're the crust. And you could put like butter and jam. I'm like, flip those English are boring, aren't they? Like their beer is warm. They just want to drink cold, like hot tea all day. And now they just want muffins with nothingness. Like, oh, no wonder. I'm sorry, Rach, but like, let's set... Let's send the convicts to paradise. Let's stay here in rainy four-degree weather. <laughs> so I'm sitting there with, I was expecting bacon and egg things, but I got this, and there was frustration, right? Because my expectation didn't align with what the words said. <laughs> but when your expectations align with what the words said, then you expect to get what the words say. Like if I knew what English muffins were and I read English muffins, I would expect fully to get English muffins. My frustration would be if I didn't get those awesome crusts. So it's just like eating the crust. No one even eats a crust on a loaf of bread. You chuck anyway. It's like, let's just give them some of the crust with nothing else. Like I would be expecting that if I knew what the words said. Because I thought the words said something else. I was expecting something else. But if, the word, if I knew what the words said, I would be expecting that. And sometimes we take what we expect to the word without reading the word. And so we just expect that I'm just meant to be a nice person. Some people get saved, some people won't. And I don't think that's what God wants us to expect. I think he wants us to expect for us to go and everyone we see, tell them God loves them and show them God loves them. And God's going to do the saving through us. And so there's four points. I went, my intro is way too long. Four points on why we should expect salvation. 
all comes out of there. Number one, it's really big and it's really obvious and it's really awesome. You should expect salvation because God saved you. Woo! Like, why do I expect salvation? Because I didn't save myself. Yet here I am with a faith that I was saved by grace. Why do I expect my family and friends saved? Why do I expect people, I go to the same cafe like five times a week just to get to know them more. I invite them to church when there's events on. But anyway, I'm expecting salvation because he saved me and I didn't work it out. I didn't figure it out. It wasn't a problem in the Daily Telegraph paper and I solved that Sudoku. Like that's not salvation. He saved me. I could do nothing to save myself and he saved me. Look at this, Titus 3. I love this passage in Titus 3. Once we, Christians, you, you, just in case you don't think this is you, but it's you. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. We hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth, new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. We pray to be empowered by His Spirit. That there and he generously poured out the spirit upon us through jesus christ we're we're empowered by the spirit because he saved us right now you're in this moment where you're not sure if god's going to save your your friends your family someone you know your, your neighbor someone you've been praying and interceding for you've been believing it's been a long 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 time don't give up why because you're here because you're here we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony in the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus did on the cross. We overcome Satan. We see people saved through our testimony and Jesus' work. Why do I believe someone's going to save the people I'm praying for right now? Because I'm here. That's my testimony. Uh, and, and here's the next thing. Like, oh, I stuffed up this week. Like, seriously, I just dropped the ball. I messed up. I don't know if God loves me anymore. I don't know if he's going to hear my prayers. He never loved you and he never listened to you based off how good you were. See, at one point you were foolish and disobedient, <laughs> slaves and many lusts and pleasures, full of envy and evil and hated each other, and he showed you love and kindness. So if you stuff up at the moment, you drop the ball, he's not turning his back on you. He loves you. Now, don't do it intentionally and willfully. That's what we say at church. You don't, we don't willfully sin. We don't choose sin, and we don't get caught up in habitual sin again and again and again. A couple of times a week, I just choose to do this. I'm fine doing it, actually, because God's grace is good. No, that's willful, habitual sin. That's not what Scripture talks about. But when you stumble, God's grace is there. He wants to pick you back up. He loves you. He is for you. That's what 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, Beloved, I write this to you so you may not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ. We can stand on His Word. We are confident God wants to save through us, through us because He saved us. Number two, we are confident that we are going to expect God for salvation because it's the task He's given all of us. It's the task. I, I put verse 18 there. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. So hear me clearly. 
he, Paul isn't writing to the church in Corinth saying, and God has given the task to the pastor teacher, or God has given this task to the evangelist, or God has given this task to the outward, you know, ex, uh, extroverted people who are just fine talking to randoms, but the introverts and the servant-hearted people, God hasn't given you this task. Like, that's just not it. God's given all of us this task, but he's wired you how he's wired you because he wants you to do the task that way. Did I word that well? He wired you exactly how he wanted you and gave you that task. So if you were just freaking out around people and introverted and not really clear at communicating things, well, he might not be calling you to preach the gospel regularly. But he is calling you in your workspace, in your family, to tell them God loves them and to show them God loves them. It's the task he's given you. Now this, once again, it's not like you need to go and plan a church and preach and, and know all, all those things. That's not what I'm saying right now, but every one of you is surrounded by people who won't come here. They won't hear calm lead worship. They won't be under that anointing. They won't hear myself or someone else preach the gospel. But you're with them at work. You're with them at home. You're with them at a family lunch. You're with them. And you get to just say, hey, what were you doing on the weekend? Oh, man, I was at church. It was so good. God was there. His love was there. His power was there. How could you believe in God? Oh, man, he did it in me. He did it in my life. Like, I, he completely changed me. Completely washed me. I, I feel brand new. I don't just feel like a morally better person. I feel made alive. So I experience his spirit every single time. I pray every time I worship, every time I read the word. I am so excited. I, I love this so much. It, it's the task he's given us to do. Amen? And so we have confidence in that. I, I love this. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. He says, But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in and I can't do it. How good is that verse? You don't need to know the Bible back to front to experience that. What you need to do have experienced the cross was for you. When you experience that the cross was for you, Jesus died on the cross for you, the thought of holding that love back and that grace back, that, that burns inside me. I, I, I love getting to talk to people about the grace of God. I love getting to talk to people about how good God is, how active he still is now, how much he loves us, because I've experienced it. I'm like, oh, I can't hold it. It's the task he's given me to do. I love it. 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 So, um, okay, next one. I'll just go on. Third thing, third reason I am so confident and expecting God to save people through me is because he's doing all the work. He's doing it through us. I put, uh, okay, I'll come back to that other verse. But in verse 19, 20 up top, for God was in Christ and he was reconciling the world to himself. But now we are Christ's ambassadors God is making his appeal through us. I really want to give you confidence with this bit. I really want you to get confident. This is, this is the bit. If you're going to get confident, here it is. God is working through you, telling people about God or inviting them to him or talking about the love of God. God's working through you as you do it. And that should give you so much confidence. I can promise you, promise you that I've... I've Oh man, this September I've preached for 18 years. I have preached so many messages. I have preached messages where I've sat down and be like, oh, oh, oh. nailed it. 
I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, crush that. And no one comes up after, you know, maybe God, God does work, but no decisions, no salvations, no one's getting prayer, no one after is like, awesome, I got these things. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And here's the confidence though. I have preached some shockers, some awful messages. I'm up there and I'm like, I get down and experience this every now and again. I'm like, was that even good? Should I just like get someone else to do it next week? And I'm like, I forgot this bit. I prepped all of this. I didn't even do it. I went on this weird tangent about hell. I wasn't even in my notes, but everyone hates things like that. I'm like, what's going on now? And I sit down, everyone's like, oh, Dan, woo! <laughs> Holy Spirit was through you today, man. I was just getting, you're like, I've been wrestling with this thing and you're the way you worded it. I was like, there it is, Lord. Feel my, oh, I was like, oh God, it's so good. And brought some of they got saved. They put their hand up, they're saying yes to Jesus. It was amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Are you serious right now? I'm like, it gives me so much confidence that here's what I have confidence. I have no power. I have no ability to give you revelation and to give you salvation. And I love that. I love it. Because in the Old Testament, God spoke through a donkey. And we know what the other word for donkey is. And so if God's going to use that kind of ass, he could use another one. And I'm like, it's... It's not about me. It's like, it's not about my articulation. It's not about anything. I'm like, I just have to open my mouth and preach the gospel every Sunday. And if you know me, that's what we do every Sunday. We talk about Jesus. We talk about the cross. And then through it, there's people just like, I get it now. And that's all God. That is all God. That's like 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. God died once, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to himself. God's whole goal was to bring us to himself. And that's what we read about here in John chapter 3, verse 6 to 8. I want this to give you confidence in your Monday morning as you go about your normal Monday morning. Don't quit your job and go and preach in service Paradise Cavill Lab. That's not what I'm saying to do. I'm saying your normal Monday morning, how can you be confident God wants to save through you? Well, well, here it is. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. You have no power to save your friends and family. And that is both frustrating and relieving. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell people, tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain people, how people <laughs> are born of the Spirit. How cool is that? It's like the wind just does what it wants and you can't see what's going on, but you can see its effects. And he goes, so it is of everyone born of the Spirit. If you take notes, write this down. Our job is not to be the wind, nor control the wind. Our job is to be filled with the wind and go with the wind. Our job is not to be the wind, nor control the wind. Our job is to be filled with the wind and then go with it. Pastor Phil Pringle says, you set your sail, God will bring the wind. I love that because he's saying, hey, what are you gifted at? What are you good at? What, who, mate, who, who are you? Will you do that and God will bring the wind? I love that just so much. It's so helpful because now I get my job isn't to, God, bring that, save that person, do this, do that. Like I'm not telling him what to do, but I'm like, Lord, what are you doing today? So once again, our prayer every week is like, Holy Spirit, give me ears to hear what you were saying. Give me eyes to see what you were doing because I'm not trying to force him to do something he doesn't want. I'm trying to join him in something he wants to do. So I'm not trying to be the wind and I'm not trying to control the wind, but I'm like, I need to be filled afresh. 
I need to be filled afresh with that wind of God. And then I want to be led with it. I want to go where it's going. I seriously just want to, I, I want to go. And there's, sometimes there's momentum in different areas of our church. We put attention there. We put money there. We put resources there. We put more leaders there. That's because I'm like, there's the wind of God. Let's go with it. That should give us confidence, church, that he is doing it all through us. Amen? So what do I do? Preach. Just tell people God loves them. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If they confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. But how can anyone, verse 13, experience salvation unless they hear? And how can anyone hear unless someone tells them? And how can anyone tell them unless they know they've been sent? Verse 15, oh, beautiful are the feet of those who know they are sent. C3 Grumman, you've been sent. You've been sent by God, number one. But if, if that was enough, I, I, whatever that means, I'll just do this. You've been sent by me too. <laughs> uh, blessing. I need like a smoking ball or something. I'm not sure what to do, but like go, throw some water. And You've been sent. It's official. Certificates are at the door. And God is going to flow through you. I'll finish with this. So we're confident, we're confident, super confident God wants to save because one, he saved us, amen? Two, it's the task he's given us. You might be a teacher, you might be a builder, you might be a barista, you might be a stay-at-home parent, you might be a, a CEO, whatever you are, it's the task every single one of us has is reconciling people to God. Not preaching and not healing, all those things. Everyone has the task though of reconciling people to their creator. So the task he's given us. Number three, we're confident because he is doing all of that work through us. And number four, the reason I expect salvation, the reason I'm confident, is because everything needed for salvation has been done. Why am I confident in salvation? Why am I confident God's still going to do it in our church? Because everything needed has already been done. Look, for God has already made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Church, that is a one-time thing needed. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot add to that offering and be made right with God. You can't give enough money. You can't serve on enough rosters. You can't bring enough people for God to accept you any more than He does the moment you say, Jesus died on the cross for me. That's all that is needed. Have faith that what He did on the cross was enough. He was the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's an offer. It's an invitation. It hasn't been done yet. So here's what we need to get as well. The world was not all saved the moment Jesus died on the cross and rose again. But what was needed for salvation for the whole world was finished. Do you get it? Here's the way I word it. It might be an oversimplification, but it might help you. Say you've got a mortgage, I'm just going to hypothetically throw it in an amount, half a million dollar mortgage, it's sitting there. And it's in a sub-account, right? It's your mortgage. And I go to you, hey, hey, I just put a, a million dollars in your bank account. Now you can sit there and go, I'm mortgage free. But it's not until you grab it from your account and pull it into your mortgage account that actually all your debt's really gone. Do you know what I mean? The bank's sitting there like you've actually still got a debt. You've still got a mortgage. What's been done for you to be saved? What's been done for you to be forgiven and made new and born again and adopted into His family? It's enough. It's all done. You don't need to do anything. You've just got to accept it. Go, yeah, I'll, I'll, 
I'll take that. And that's why Colossians 2 speaks about he cancelled the record of debt that stood against us. Yeah, but you've got to actually claim that. It's not automatically applied to you. It's applied to you through faith in the finished work of the cross. So that's why we only get to heaven through that. And that's why we praise and worship every Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. You did what I couldn't do. So give me the life I don't deserve. Now I get an eternity with you. You took the wrath. You took the punishment. You took it all so that I could have be made right with God through Christ. This is why in John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus screamed, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What was finished? Mankind's working. Mankind's attempt to be made right with God through works. It's done. You can't do it. Everything that is needed to be made right with God is done. It is finished. Now you don't need to add to it at all. You just need to receive it. And this morning, I would nothing would bring me more joy. I'd be so overwhelmed. And if someone here this morning said, yeah, that's me. I've never received it, but I'd love to today. I'd love to say yes to Jesus. I'd love to receive him with joy. I'd love to receive his life. I'd love to receive his forgiveness. I'd love to receive that newness of life. I'd love to receive him. In all honesty, if that's you this morning and you're thinking that way, it's already happened. How cool is that? Just so we think the right way. There's no magical prayer (laughs) that makes us born again. We say a prayer is an overflow of what God's done in our heart. So if you're here this morning, you're like, I want Jesus. Then he made you alive at some point in the service. You were probably in worship. You were probably in the preaching of your word. Whatever point you went, I want that. That's it. That's when it happened. And so when we pray together or we pray in the altar, it's an overflow of what God's already done in your heart. So if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus, but something has happened here today, and now you're saying, I love him. I want Jesus. I'd love to pray with you. What a cracker. That was a great message. Fire out. I'm so excited to go through those notes this week and really chew through them and apply them. 